Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuckers, Chuck, Chuck Tran, Chuckaluck, Bryant. Mm-hmm. How you doing? I'm great. I'm going to see Bob Dylan tonight. <laughs> People are going to be like, how many times is Bob Dylan playing Atlanta? <laughs> have you ever seen David Bowie? That's good. I have not. <laughs> um, yes, you are, Chuck. I know. You're very excited. I am. I've seen him a few times, but it's always good. Really? Yeah. Too short, though. He buzzes through like 15 songs. He's out of there. Is he short? Oh, well, he's also short, but yeah. Is he really? His, yeah. I was just kidding. No, he's short. I guess those... Um, Bell-bottomed long pants that he wore in the '60s on his album, <laughs> he never like uh, bell bottoms, made him look kind of tall. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Um. All right. So enough about Bob Dylan for the second time. Not a big Dylan fan myself. No, no. Um. Let's talk about schizophrenia instead. Okay. <laughs> so I was looking for an intro for this. And, I mean, there's plenty of stuff, but it's all, like, pretty, you know, research-heavy. Yeah. AstraZeneca was marketing Seroquel off-label and just settled. <laughs> um, let's see. What else? Uh, Jared Loeffner, uh is being medicated against as well, the guy who shot Gabriel Giffords. Oh, okay. Really? Yes. he's He's been diagnosed as schizophrenic. Interesting. Um, finally. Uh, and then um, there was a homeless man in Los Angeles who was beaten to death by the police uh, yesterday or today. Awful. Um, and all of this is kind of, I realized, like, there wasn't any one thing that I was like, well, here's the intro. Mm-hmm. But I realized, like, all of it together gives a pretty good overview of, you know, schizophrenia as it stands right now. Yeah. Which is, it's misunderstood. Uh, it's heavily prescribed. Underfunded. Yeah, and um, research there, that is. Yeah, and there's a lot of people out there who aren't necessarily getting help, who need it. Yeah, in fact, I got a stat. If you want to go ahead and go there, you got a bunch of stats. You said for this, right? I do. Um, if you want to talk about people getting help and and or needing help and not getting it, six mm-hmm. percent uh, of schizophrenics are homeless. Yeah, six uh, percent are in jail or prison. Uh, 10% in nursing homes, 25% with a family member, 28% are independently living, 20% supervised housing. So, and it, and it makes sense, Chuck, too, that these make sense because, first of all, you have all of this crazy stuff going on to you that's your reality. So you're having trouble dealing mm-hmm. with reality as it stands. Um, secondly, a lot of times schizophrenia comes on. Um, during times when you learn how to hold down a job or take care of yourself or right. do whatever. So you might never learn how to do this because you're dealing with your schizophrenia. Here's the shocking one. Oh, okay. At any given moment, there are more people with untreated, severe psychiatric illnesses living on the streets than there are receiving care. Wow. They outweigh the people that are actually getting help. That is that is shocking, but not surprising somehow. Agreed. Wow. So you said, what was that last one? Severe psychiatric illnesses. So right. that's an umbrella term, obviously. That right. But schizophrenia falls in. And schizophrenia falls in under that for sure. Mm-hmm. But prior to the beginning of the 20th century, it was pretty much thought of as a generalized illness. It, like the mental illness was mental illness. And maybe there is a symptom 
your symptoms were different, but really you were mentally ill, which was a huge step up from the spirit possession yeah. that had, you know, it had previously been ascribed to or For probably you know, millions of years. Yeah. Um, so it was, it, it's a fairly recently classified mental illness. It wasn't until 1893 that, um, a German psychiatrist named Emil Kraepelin, uh, classified schizophrenia as a mental illness. And, uh, he misclassified it as a form of dementia, early, an early type of dementia. And then in 1911, a Swiss psychiatrist named, uh, Eugen Bluder came up with the name schizophrenia. That's right, Josh. And he, uh, got that word from the Greek words for split and mind. Right. Which contributes somewhat to the misconception that it is a split personality, uh, disorder. But what he meant was, there's a disconnect with reality. Right. The mind splits from reality, which today we still, that's how you still perceive um, schizophrenia, but rather than split, we use the word break. There's a psychotic break. Yeah. And we should go ahead and just, uh, since that is a common misconception, it is entirely different than split personality disorder, which they call disassociative identity disorder now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you know the movie, the show United States of Terror, have you seen that? No, I know what you're talking about, though. With Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. She is, uh, has split personality disorder on that show. And that's the one that you always see in the movies where you have multiple personalities and they don't know about each other and one dominates the other. And, uh, and then what all about Eve was about? I never saw that. Sybil. Sybil, yeah. For sure. But um, it's not schizophrenia. They, they have no, nothing to do with each other other than they're both types of mental illness. Right. And, um, Hollywood is fascinated by them. That's right. Um, so, yeah, we and that's that's a pretty good example like of medicines is starting to get a hold of what schizophrenia is, what mental illness is, you know, in general. Yeah. And then the public at large still just being completely undereducated about it. Um so let's educate people about it. Yeah, I want to say too that this is uh like a lot of conditions um and disorders that develop later in life. To me that's this one of the scariest things that can happen. Yeah. Like you're cruising along at 27, 28 years old, and you think, like, you know, I'm all good. And you can develop schizophrenia, like, boom, in a matter of weeks sometimes. Yeah. It, it can either come on gradually or very suddenly in an acute manner. Um, and like you said later in life, with uh, men... Uh, schizophrenia usually develops um, in the late teens or early 20s is when mm-hmm. it starts. Um, or in women, it's the mid-20s or the early 30s. So, yeah, by the time by the time I was 30, I certainly didn't think I was going to become mentally ill. No, you thought, I know my demons. Yeah. I can write them down in a list. And, I can quit and, them anytime I want. Yeah, and that's what they are. Right. They're self-imposed demons. Right. This, this is It wasn't something that it was beyond my control, that happened to my mind. Right. And, yeah, that's how schizophrenia hits you. It hits you later in life, and it can happen all at once or gradually. And this is not to scare the crap out of you if you're in your uh, teens or 20s, because there's only about a 1% chance that you'll get schizophrenia. Uh, it depends. If if you're part of the general population, there's a 1% chance. True. But as we'll see, yeah, there, yeah, good there, point. there are risk factors that increase your chances of having schizophrenia. And no, we're not trying to scare you, but uh, the I guess kind of the newest forms of treatment or newest thoughts about treating mm-hmm. schizophrenia is to make people aware of it 
so that they will be able to recognize it early on, and apparently early treatment leads to a better success rate. I think we'll that's talk about that across too. the board. But Chuck, um, there's two kinds of symptoms of schizophrenia, and they're positive and negative. And it's not like positive symptom means you hallucinate bunnies, where a negative s- symptom means you hallucinate like a hell demon. Right. Instead, positive symptom is like an exaggeration of normal behavior. So like, I see you, I hear things, but I don't see you with horns, right. and I don't hear Kermit here talking to me. Right. Right. Um, so a, a positive symptom is an exaggerated behavior. Negative symptom is the absence of normal behavior, like right. you lack affect or the ability to experience any emotion um, or you, you basically are just generally apathetic, right? Yeah. And that's so, so those are po- that's positive symptoms and negative symptoms. Yes. And uh, certain negative symptoms uh, are cognitive uh, that deal a lot with attention span and memory, um, lack of memory, abil- inability to like plan anything or organize anything. Right. And then uh, another form of negative, I should say, is called avolition. Um, It's basically, I think, uh, Krepler, the guy who first classified schizophrenia, Mm -hmm. called it the annihilation of the will, where you're just so withdrawn you can't – you no longer engage in goal-directed behavior from brushing your teeth to paying your bills to doing anything. You're just totally withdrawn. Wow. So that's that's not the – form of schizophrenia you usually hear about, but apparently it's fairly common. Really? Yeah. So to get diagnosed, uh, Josh, you have to um, exhibit a certain number of these symptoms over at least six months without stopping, right? Yeah. um, If you have, uh, is it schizophreniform? Is like a shorter, it's schizophrenia, but it lasts less than six months. Yeah, that's schizophreniform. Right. Good point. But if you, according to the DSM, and we should say like this is, you know, it's based on clinical observations or whatever, but this is the DSM saying six months. It may be, you may have schizophrenia and you just haven't reached the six month, you know, period yet. Yeah. But you're still schizophrenic. But to be diagnosed sure. by a psychiatrist or a psychologist who's a member of the APA, you have to have X number of symptoms for six months or more. Yeah, and they have to do that because it's like the same as the cops when they say you can't file a missing persons report unless they've been gone for 24 hours. It's, and not, it's not like that, but it's sort of like that. Now there's like a law, I think, in Michigan called Kaylee's Law or something that they're introducing where if you're a parent and you don't report your kid missing after 24 hours, it's a felony. Oh, really? Yeah. What kind of parent wouldn't do that? The parent that... Casey Anthony? Yeah, made the kid go away. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> not, not in general. Uh, schizophrenia, apparently is how it's pronounced, can take a few forms. Uh, the one you've probably heard about most is paranoid schizophrenia, which is when you have the full-on delusions and hallucinations. And uh, then there's disorganized, that is uh, disorganized thinking. Uh, your behavior is probably incoherent. It's also called hebephrenic. Really? And yeah. you, you, you probably don't exhibit a lot of emotion. Uh, yeah, well, usually like there's a negative symptom coupled with um, disorganized behavior. Okay. So it's almost like two separate things. I think you can be hebephrenic without being negative. Gotcha. Uh, there's catatonic. Um, that means you uh, move around and talk excessively. Um, yeah, that was a surprise to me. I always thought, you know, catatonic state where you're just like yeah, sitting there, you're not moving. Yeah, that's what I would moving. think too. But it also says they may become still and uncommunicative. Right, so, so it can be one or the other. Yeah. But I guess it has to do with motion or movement or lack of. Right. It's catatonic. 
Uh, undifferentiated means that it's just sort of the umbrella term for when you have a mix of symptoms and they don't want to classify you as one specific kind. And then uh, residual is if you have a history um, of schizophrenia, but you have a, a, a long extended period of time with no negative, I'm sorry, with negative but no positive symptoms, mm-hmm. they'll classify you as residual. All right. Which, you know, I guess that's better than paranoid schizophrenia <laughs> in a way. I don't think any form of schizophrenia is bad. I, it, right. It would, that would be, it'd be horrible. Yeah. This is a horrible disease. It is. That's like the curb your enthusiasm when Larry asked if someone had good Hodgkins <laughs> from the Party of Five episode is what he was referencing when Charlie got sick. He had quote unquote good Hodgkins and they were like, they, they were so offended. They were like, there is no good Hodgkins. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but one's better than the other, right? And they were just like, you're such a jerk. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> every scene end like that? Huh? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Uh, and then we, we mentioned schizophreniform, which is a, an abbreviated version of schizophrenia. And then this one has to be just horrible. Schizoaffective disorder. It's any kind of schizophrenia coupled with a mood disorder like depression. Yeah. Right? That's awful. So um, we should probably say there's delusions and there's hallucinations mm-hmm. uh, mixed in together often with schizophrenic symptoms and they're often confused but a delusion is a false belief and a and hallucination is a false sensation like hey i'm jesus christ that would be a delusion right or hey there's jesus christ on top of that subway car that would be a hallucination <laughs> yeah right? and you can extend that to anything it doesn't have to be jesus <laughs> or a subway car you're right um, but the, uh, the there's uh, uh, just studying hallucinations and delusions are really really interesting in my opinion. Agreed. Um, the most common hallucination is auditory among schizophrenics, and the most common auditory hallucination is are voices. Yeah, they hear voices that can come from anywhere. Uh, from this Kermit the Frog uh, could start talking to me, or it could come from thin air, mm-hmm. or it could come from the electrical outlet in the wall. Right. Um, and uh, the voices say, usually it's like one word, a couple of words. There's an implication of a word. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's indistinct mumbling. Um, on occasion, very rare occasions, will the voice like ramble on coherently mm-hmm. where the patient understands like long sentences. But um, the, the also maybe commenting on what the person's doing is very... Um, common yeah usually it's um not a voice that they recognize although that can happen as well yeah right uh and then sometimes there's more than one voice and even more disconcertingly the voices will argue about the patient yeah (laughs) which uh, that's wow well those i mean there's a guy on marta that i see that and a lot of people that you see that are walking down the street screaming out out loud they there's probably a pretty good chance that they might be paranoid schizophrenic. Yeah. And they are yelling at the voice in their head. That reminds me of the stand-up bit I saw when I was a kid in the 80s. Uh, this guy was like, uh, this, this comedian said he was walking down the street and he walked past this guy. He was talking to himself and he was just mumbling. He sounded so angry. And the comedian goes, and I thought, man, that guy is really crazy. He's talking to himself. And then I thought, wait, who am I talking to? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I talk to myself all day long. I have arguments in my head. Yeah. But, of course, it's not the same thing. No. Um, 
No, you don't have two voices arguing no, no, no. over what not, you're doing at that moment no. and what's best for you or whether you should hurt somebody or hurt yourself. Not making light of that. Uh, and the reason that a percentage, a frightening percentage of schizophrenics kill themselves is a lot of times because the voice in their head may command them to do so. Right. There, there, there's such a thing as um, commanding hallucinations, mm-hmm. which is sometimes they could be suggestive, like... Um, Maybe we should go uh, outside for a while, or they could be like, "Go outside." Yeah, you know, and it's not always scary. Like they point out, sometimes it's, uh, "Hey, you need to shave again," right? And you'll go shave again. Yeah, it can be innocuous, but it can it can lead to violence. Yeah, uh, or it can urge violence. Apparently, the vast majority of people who suffer uh, dangerous command hallucinations mm-hmm. are able to suppress them. Right, but it's a struggle. And, you know, this is going on in this person's head. Yeah, and rarely, and I I wondered about this, too, before I got to that point in the article that you sent me. Rarely do you hear, like, really great things. Like, Like, you're doing great today, and you should go pick that flower and smell it. You know, it's interesting that it usually takes a dark turn. Yes, it is. And they don't know why. No, they don't. Um, There's also uh, hallucinations of touch, haptic hallucinations, which sound pretty awful. Yeah. Um, things are crawling on you. Things are inside of you trying to get out. Mm-hmm. Your bowels are shriveling. Um, you're being jolted by electricity is a very common one. Yeah. And then delusions, obviously, or any like, any false belief. There's some that, like, you are Jesus Christ. That's a delusion, right? Right. Um, but there's there was one subcategory that caught my attention that I wasn't aware of. It's called delusion of reference. Yeah, tell me about that. Well, it's basically like every single thing that goes on in life Mm -hmm. is full of meaning, right? So like in this Brown University sheet I sent you, there's a a waiter leaving a crumb on the table. That's purposeful. It's an insult to the patient. Like the the busboy or the waiter did that on purpose as an insult. Uh Or... um, the uh, street lights coming on all of a sudden is a signal for everybody to swarm on you and finally take you away or kill you or whatever. Right. Like everything in life has meaning and it's making you, it's, it's fueling this paranoia. Your mind is turning against you. It's pretty awful. Yeah. Have we said it's awful? Yeah. Okay. Yes, it is quite awful. Um, but people live with this. Yeah. I mean, we painted a dark picture because it is a dark disorder, but the majority of people, in fact, Stat time. Uh, after 10 years, if you want to know, after 10 years of diagnosis with schizophrenia, uh, 25% completely recover, 25% are much improved and relatively independent, and 25% are improved but require a uh, pretty extensive support network. So that's 75% of uh, people after diagnosis, after a decade, are, are dealing with it fairly well. Um, yeah, fi- that's, that's very hopeful. That's not bad. 15% are unimproved and 10%, unfortunately, are dead, uh, probably by suicide. Yeah, well, 10% at least of um, schizophrenics commit suicide, which is incredibly high uh, because in the uh, general population of the United States, 0.01% of people commit suicide. So 10% to 0.01%. Yeah, and that's people who are successful. They think it could be, attempts could be as high as 55% people that try to kill themselves. Yeah. Just to, I mean, imagine sometimes the voices say to do it and sometimes it's just to find peace. 
Yeah, I was wondering what the breakdown between those two is as yeah. well. Um, and then violence is often attendant with uh, schizophrenics, at least in the public mind, right? Yeah, but if you're it's schizophrenic, not quite true, you're it? dangerous. Yeah. Apparently, studies have shown, and I remember reading about this when we, we talked about latent inhibition, mm-hmm. um, that if you are typically violent when these, uh, when the symptoms set, yeah. In your like early twenties or whatever, right? Um, you're going to possibly be a violent schizophrenic. If you're not a very violent person, you're, it's just not part of your personality. Before the symptoms set in, then you're not going to be a violent schizophrenic, unless you abuse drugs or alcohol, which apparently uh, vastly increases the chances that you may be a violent schizophrenic. Yeah, and even then, I think the violence is generally either self-inflicted or it takes place inside the home, like against your family, which is not good. But point is, if you're walking down the street and sadly you see the homeless man screaming out loud, you don't necessarily need to be afraid that he's about to, you know, attack you in a violent manner. Right. That's probably not going to happen. No. Chuck, let's say you do want to talk to that schizophrenic homeless man over there, but you don't want to make things worse for him. Right. right? But you don't want to ignore him. He's another human being. Mm-hmm. Um, the National Institutes of Mental Health have um, suggestions, I guess, for talking to schizophrenics and specifically with their families sure. uh, who have to deal with delusions mm-hmm. and hallucinations all the time, specifically delusions. Um, apparently, you don't you don't contest what they're saying. Yeah, you don't want to say, uh, you're not Jesus Christ. Like, what, are like, you what are you talking about? Yeah, you don't you say definitely that. Definitely don't say that. No, you say... Um, I respect your right to believe different things, and I hope you'll respect my right to believe different things, but I, I, you know, politely disagree. Yeah, and what you also don't want to do is, is agree and say, I know, honey, you are Jesus Christ. Right. You're okay, you're Jesus, and it's fine. Yes. And you a don't... lot of people probably take that tack in the family, you know? Well, yeah. Uh, first, I mean, at the very least, because it's, it's just easier. Mm-hmm. After a while, it's like, yes, yes. Or you get so frustrated, you're like, no, you're not, and you want to shake the person. Right. Um. But yeah, apparently, and I wonder how hard it is to say, well, I, I respectfully disagree with you. Yeah, I bet it's hard. You know, and if it, if it does go over as well as, as it seems like it, that it, it suggested it should. Right. You know? All right, Josh, I think this was really interesting. The recovery in the third world part. Yeah. Apparently, the World Health Organization did a study in the 1960s. And uh, found that the recovery rate for schizophrenia in developing nations is higher by a full third than it is in the industrialized world. And then they did a follow-up study even to uh, correct possible selection biases, and they confirmed the original finding. And I thought that was really interesting. And they, there's a lot of hypotheses, but one of them is that, A, there might not be a stigma like in the industrialized world, and they're just more readily accepted. And the other is that they might be able to have a, a job that they can do right. successfully and here like in the West farming or digging, you know, digging the trench for the farm or whatever. Right. Here in the West, we're very competitive. Yeah, it's hard to get a job that a schizophrenic can maybe successfully complete. Right. And I mean the rest of us are paranoid enough as it is about losing our jobs. If you are clinically paranoid schizophrenic, then it's probably going to be very difficult to keep your job. True. Or do it in a way that will help you keep your job. That's very true. But, Josh, there have been some successful uh, stories of people that 
uh, are afflicted with schizophrenia. Well, some some more successful than some. Sid Barrett was successful, but I don't know if you'd call him a success story. He ended well, up in a mental institution yeah. for the rest of his life. Yeah, Sid Barrett, founding member of Pink Floyd, schizophrenic, and they believe that massive amounts of drugs that he used made it worse. Way worse. Uh, John he, Nash? He is, he is the crazy diamond. Yeah. yeah, shine on you crazy diamond. Yep. I love that song. That's a good one. All, uh, f- all four parts of it, right? <laughs> and oh, yeah. like part, f- I think up to part four. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, John Nash. Yeah, from the the movie uh, A Beautiful Mind, the Ron Howard film with uh, Russell Crowe mm-hmm. as John Nash, the Nobel winner. The one who helped figure out that cable companies would uh, do better if they cooperated with one another. That's right. And that movie did a lot for putting this on the map in a compassionate way, you know. Mm-hmm. And Jack Kerouac, did you know that one? Uh, that one's debatable. Okay. He was in the Navy, and they discharged him honorably after, I think, like a little less than a year and and the report they said he had schizoid tendencies. Oh yeah. But um, other people have said that he faked that stuff to get out of the navy, nice. uh, and just wanted to <laughs> not take orders and drink himself to death, Thank which God. is what he did. And pop Benny's. Do you know how he died? No. He woke up and with just like coughing blood and bleeding from his mouth, and basically was like, "I got to go to the hospital." Took him to the hospital, and he was. His liver was so shot that his blood wouldn't clot, and they just were giving him transfusion one after the other, and he just basically bled to death. Holy cow. From drinking. Holy cow. I and he was drinking at the time. He was drinking whiskey and uh, like whiskey and malt liquor when he started, blood started coming out of his mouth. Hmm. I wonder how that tastes. Would you shake or stir that? And I don't think he mixed them. I oh, think okay. it was like whiskey with a beer back. And it garnished with a drop of blood. So, kids, uh, there's a lesson for you. Uh, there, here, There's one more person who is indisputably schizophrenic, or was. His name is Wesley Willis. Who's that? He is a musician who had such songs as, well, really the only title I can say is Rock and Roll McDonald's. I don't, I've never heard of him. You, you have had to have heard of Wesley Willis. Really? Okay. Let me play you a little Wesley Willis right here. All right. McDonald's is a place to rock. It is a restaurant where they buy food to eat. It is a good place to listen to the music. People flock here to get down to the rock music. Rock and roll McDonald's. Rock and roll. So, Chuck, that's Wesley Willis. Oh, okay. Okay, and um, he was very much schizophrenic. Um, he wrote about it a lot. He talked about it in a lot of his songs. Mm-hmm. And um, he said he'd just be going along, having a nice time riding the bus. Yeah. Uh, I believe he lived in Chicago. And then all of a sudden his um, his uh, hell demons would uh, take him on one of his torture hell rides, uh, which meant he was going on a little bit of uh, an exacerbation of his schizophrenia symptoms. Wow. But he's a great, great guy, great music, uh-huh. uh, very prolific. And uh, if you liked that, you should go watch uh, Daddy of Rock and Roll. Is a documentary about Yeah, it? it's really good. I'll check that out. Yeah. Uh, Lionel Aldridge is the last name on our list, and he was a Green Bay Packer. And he was homeless, unfortunately, after he was diagnosed for a while, and then... Uh, later was able to climb out from that uh, wreckage and go around and 
talk about mental illness. And he was a he was playing in the sixties, the seventies. I think it was late sixties or seventies. Yeah. So think about it, man. That's a big deal to go around and talk publicly about mental illness at that time. Uh, yeah, sure. It still is now. But I mean, like back then, that's hats off to him. Yeah, he was the guy that I included in the presentation that you did by yourself. Oh, okay. That you're like, he was this guy. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I understand now. Yeah, it's all coming together. So, Chuck, um, what causes this? Well, uh, it seems like there are environmental factors and it, there are genetic factors. Um, they've isolated what they believe are some genes, uh, the DISC1, the... Uh, Disbendin, the uh, neuragulin, and the G72 genes. Okay. And uh, they think there might be up to a dozen more genes that could impact this. Okay. So the basis of that is that they can't just look at your genes and say you're you're going to be schizophrenic. Right. It's possible that it's because we just haven't isolated all the genes and don't know the right combination yet. Right. Or it's possible that it's from other causes, one of which... One of the theories that's out there right now is that it's the result of an in utero exposure to either a flu mm-hmm. or the dread toxoplasmosis. Remember toxoplasmosis? I do. That hijacks rats' brains that's yeah. found in cat urine? That's why if you have a cat and you're pregnant, you don't be cleaning up that litter box. Right. Um, and they think that one of the reasons, well, I guess one of the evident pieces of evidence that supports this is called the birth month effect. Uh-huh. And the birth month effect is... Um, if you were born in winter months or early spring months, you are at a higher risk for becoming schizophrenic later that. in life. And they think that those are flu months. Yeah. Um, and uh, another aspect of it is apparently the brains of schizophrenics show inflamed white blood cells, which is a sign of an infection. Mm-hmm. And they think that possibly all of us are carrying around a retrovirus encoded in our genes that lies dormant like MS, right. that under the right circumstances, like early exposure to an infection, mm-hmm. um, can trigger its release or trigger its activation, and it takes 18 to 20 to 30 years to come on. Now you see why people that are pregnant are worried a lot. It's amazing that like we've gotten anywhere. I know. Yeah. So what else? Uh, well, they did do have some new findings. I got this two-day... Um, from the internets, they have uh, a New South Wales uh, study from Thomas Weikert. He has identified the brain mechanism that derails decision-making in people. So basically, the part of the brain is called the ventral striatum. I'm sorry, striatum. And it lights up, you know, they put people in the MRI, it lights up when uh, in response to rewards in healthy people, and it's linked to your decision-making, but completely unresponsive among schizophrenics. Mm-hmm. So they don't... Uh, they don't know the difference between expected and unexpected rewards, and so they don't have the opportunity to make a good decision huh. to begin with. Wow. And that, you know, it's a, it's a nice finding. It doesn't get us any closer. Well, maybe it does. You never know. They say with proper funding that, that they predicted 2013 they could have a cure for this. Well, yeah. But they don't get proper funding. No. But they're um, they're looking into stem cells, Right. They're looking into um, figuring out if it is an infection, and if so, like combating right. that. Um, and we've also long had antipsychotics. One of the things, strangely enough, that helped develop antipsychotics or better antipsychotics mm-hmm. um, is PCP. Yeah. Apparently, researchers figured out that um, 
phenylcyclidine um, or phencyclidine PCP, the drug, mm-hmm. angel dust, um, produced such similar symptoms to schizophrenia that they started investigating it and found that it had to do with um, the um, neurotransmitter glutamate, right? Right. And dopamine, right? Yes. Well, it has to do with both, but the emphasis before on antipsychotics was strictly dopamine. Okay. And all it all it did was keep dopamine in the synapses longer by blocking its reuptake by receptors. That's what antipsychotics do. Yeah. And then in the 80s, after the PCP stuff, um, they figured out that there was uh, glutamate was involved, and they came up with atypical antipsychotics, and these focus somewhat on dopamine, but more on things like glutamate mm-hmm. and its reuptake, and uh, these things have produced better results and with fewer side effects. So um, they're they're figuring out how to treat it. Right. The problem is, is there's all sorts of side effects, even even with atypical. Um, antipsychotics like weight gain, drowsiness, sluggishness, sure. nervousness, muscle spasms. Yeah, all um, bulging eyes apparently is one. Oh, really? Um, and uh, I guess most of the stuff can be treated by lowering the dosage, but they're they're bothersome enough that a lot of people just go off their meds. Right. And you know that doesn't help. ECT, electroconvulsive therapy, is another thing that they still do. It's not something a relic from the fifties. Yes. It's changed a lot in how they do it, uh, and they're not sure still how it exactly works. They stopped using car batteries. Yeah. But uh, about 100,000 Americans each year still receive uh, ECT. So that is an option, and obviously the group therapy and family therapy help just the dealing with it aspect of, of the family. Yes. So we encourage you to seek help soon as possible. Yeah, and apparently families can help in uh, very little ways. They're encouraged to... Um Set small goals. Mm-hmm. Apparently, if especially if you um, have lost your drive or your will as a result of your schizophrenia, or you're disorganized, right? Uh, it, it can just be compounded by all the, you know, like when your life is disorganized. Sure, it seems just completely unwieldy. Yeah, like where do I start? Right now, if if that's a symptom of your schizophrenia, it's it's just that much worse. Right. So if you can help a schizophrenic get back on track by setting small goals and building up their confidence again, apparently that has a, a measurable effect in their recovery. I'm sure. Um, and then the I, the one of the leading edges of um, schizophrenia treatment right now is based on the this thing called the prodrome, which is the period between the onset of symptoms where you think, maybe I am Jesus Christ, and the time when that seems like your reality. So it's this point where you're starting to have the ideas, but they still seem bizarre or weird, or why am I having these ideas? So if you apparently seek out treatment... For schizophrenia, mm-hmm. when you start to have these ideas, um, in the prodrome, the success rate of treatment is through the roof. Really? Like, yes. This British doctor in the late 80s set up shop in these two towns outside of London, and he's set to work finding every potential early case of schizophrenia he could. Mm-hmm. And he started treating people with therapy and low doses of antipsychotics. And in four years, those two towns had a tenth of the prevalence of schizophrenia of, than really? the rest of the country. Wow. Yeah. So apparently, like this prodrome research, there's like clinics that are opening up uh-huh. and like entire like uh, departments and universities are dedicated to this prodrome period where you can be like, come, come back. Come, this is reality. Right. Here. Wow. Yeah. 
and they're successful, or they have been so far. Well, Josh, I got one more stat. If you live in a city of 3 million people, then uh, over 21,000 people in your city are suffering from schizophrenia. So well, keep that in mind. Yes. Don't make fun of people. Don't obviously get scared or violent in, in a reactive way. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to say, like, you should go over and talk to them. Like, you might want to just be compassionate, and uh, and hopefully they're getting help. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yes. Go to schizophrenia.com. You can find all kinds of good information. And if you hadn't already checked out Wesley Willis, check him out. He was a great guy. <laughs> check out The Daddy of Rock and Roll. And um, also, I would say, in addition to how schizophrenia works, um, required reading for this one is uh, an article called Which Way Madness Lies by Rachel Aviv. It was in the December 2010 issue of Harper's. And I have a link. I'll, like, I'll tweet it. Okay. I'll tweet the link out with that. That sounds great. If you want more about schizophrenia, um, there's plenty of it. There's an article and then some on the site. Just type schizophrenia, uh, which again means split mind. That's right. Into the search bar at howstuffworks.com. And that brings up what, Chuck? Listener now? Yes, Josh. Specifically, corrections. Which we haven't done in a long time. Oh, wow. I forgot about those. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll correct ourselves on Facebook and stuff, but... They mounted up, so I figure we might as well go for it. Okay. Uh, how wildfires work. Oh, man, I don't have this guy's name. A couple of people sent this in. Uh, the flashpoint of paper is not Fahrenheit 451. I said books. <laughs> the flashpoint of books is not Fahrenheit 451. It is Fahrenheit 851, Celsius 450, and Ray Bradbury apparently changed the title because... Fahrenheit 451 sounds a lot better than Celsius 450, apparently. What was 481? No, Celsius 450 is the flashpoint, or Fahrenheit 851. Oh, 851. That and, sounds just uh, as good as 451, I think. Yeah? Okay. But I, I assume that as well. Man, I wish I had his name. You know who you are. And it was a very nice correction. Those are the ones we like to read. Uh, then we got a correction on who was the first murderer. Apparently, David says... And he even sent in a copy of 1491 by Charles Mann. What? Where? What? He, sent, he sent an email. No, not a... Not a he oh. sent a, a, a scanned copy I got of the page. Okay. In 1491, he says, uh, Charles Mann says, although Billington was in fact hanged, at least two other Europeans were executed before him. Uh, one was convicted for the much more interesting offense of killing his pregnant wife and eating her. So how about that? He said that was on page 55 of 1491? Yeah, there it is. That is crazy. Okay, but still, Billington is a very noteworthy figure, obviously, because he has a whole chapter on him. Sure. And then uh, we got some, uh, oh, first of all, some people wrote in about wildfires in Georgia when I said, oh, Georgia doesn't have wildfires. South Georgia does, and there's actually one going on right now in the Okefenokee. So I misspoke for sure, because I was just talking about the North Georgia mountains, which are very lush and green. Mm-hmm. But uh, South Georgia can get quite dry, and uh, there are wildfires in Georgia. Huh. I did not know that. That is true. And then finally, uh, we got an email from uh, an actual Hindu uh, named Kush, K-U-S-H. And Kush says, uh, you guys missed a few things. Uh, Hinduism typically, I'm sorry, technically, only has one god, not a pantheon. Uh, it's complicated to explain, especially to non-Hindus, but the general idea is there is one universal soul or God that encompasses everything called the Brah- Brahman. Okay, I've heard of that. Not the Broham. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And every living thing has a part of that in us called the Atman. Uh, the different gods are just different forms of the one Brahman. Uh, also, you didn't properly explain the laws of karma. The law of karma has three parts in Hinduism. One, the performer of an action will get the result. Two, the result of the action will come right at the right time. And three, good actions bring good results. Bad actions bring bad results. And fourth, the gods are technically subject to karma if you also expand the definition of karma to include the law of karma. <laughs> but he says it was a good podcast overall. You guys really hit it on the head except for these few points. <laughs> you did not hit it on the head for that. Well, just for that one part. Wow. And uh, finally, he pointed out and a few other people pointed out that I was wrong in correcting you with Jainism. And yeah. And it's Jainism. Thank you. But I'm going to play you something right now. Okay. Jainism. Okay, that was from uh, Dictionary.com. Well, that, vo- that voice is obviously wrong. <laughs> well, maybe so. This is from Merriam-Webster. If it's the same voice, it doesn't count twice. Jainism. Oh, did you hear that? That's a different voice. Did that one come through, Matt? Okay, and then finally, this is Google Definitions, and this is my favorite of all, actually. I don't like where this is going. Jainism. <laughs> wow. So I don't know, because I had like three other people said, no, man. Three other robots? No, three other real people said, no, it's Jainism. And then I went on YouTube and people said Jainism, so I don't know. Well, I, I like that it's both. We're both right. Yeah, so let's or just, we're both wrong. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's Jainism. Well, we love corrections so much that I managed to forget that we or are corrected a lot, or we used to read them. I never forget that we're corrected. Right. Um, but uh, let's do this again soon. Agreed. Uh, go through all 350 episodes, <laughs> find everything you can that's wrong with them, and then let us know, okay? Okay. Or you can just correct the most recent ones, whatever we got wrong in this one, which I'm sure is substantial. <laughs> um, you can go on to Facebook if you want. You can tweet to us, SYSK Podcast, or you can send us a plain old-fashioned email at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House of Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?